For the last two weeks, we've been talking a lot about claiming space because we've been talking to Eliza Van Court, and we also spoke to some of her mentees about what it means to claim space, to claim who you are, and to be that person fully. If you haven't listened to those two episodes, which was uh, Eliza Van Court and the second bonus episode last week, I invite you to do so, but not before we get into this conversation with Sahar Paz. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Sahar Paz didn't grow up playing house. She played office. At 13, she launched a baby and pet sitting company, generating more clash flow than all the lemonade stands in the neighborhood. At 25 years old, Zahar was in New York City with a lucrative career in finance and bored out of her mind. Inspired to share what she learned in business, she pivoted and dedicated herself to feeding the entrepreneurial voice of teenagers by founding Free Your Star Foundation. Championing the voice of others to help them understand their emotional intelligence and their personal drivers has always been Sahar's mission. Her book, Find Your Voice, published in 2014, part memoir, part cognitive behavior guide, epitomizes that pursuit. Her message gained attention within forward-thinking organizations such as HBO, Facebook, Whole Foods, and the Texas Medical Center, where Sahar was invited to deliver keynote presentations. After five years on the road, Sahar became the CEO of Own Your Voice Strategy Firm, a personal branding agency that focuses on placing professionals on stages to speak. Today, she resides in Houston and has given up pet sitting to play with her dog Rico instead. Hello, Sahar. Sahar, how are you? I really love your name, actually. <laughs> Thank you. It means when night meets day, or that's a very fancy way of saying dawn. So if, and you know a dawn out there, you know a Sahar, which also means when night meets day, guys. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic to know. I yes. love it. Yes, when night meets day. Beautiful. Thank oh, you. Thank, thank you, you for, for being here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sahar. On your website, I, I looked at your website and it says your inner voice is your secret weapon. Your spoken voice is your superpower. Yes. And I thought you answered one of the questions that I usually ask, which is what is your superpower? <laughs> what you're hearing right now in your ears, what you're seeing on your screen. If you're watching any clips, this is it. Mercedes, Sahar, you, me, everybody. We have yes. this thing called a voice and words. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I love that. I was like, yes, that's right. Your voice is your superpower. Yes. And so everyone's heard from your 
bio that you are, your business is Own Your Voice. And I think that that is so important for the way things are now and for what the conversations that we're having is owning your voice. So before we get into all the meat and potatoes and, and all that stuff, I want to know what is it that you are passionate about? I think I kind of got an idea because your website is so full of passion, but what is it that you're passionate about? Well, to sum it up in two words, your voice. And <laughs> it's because I am a person that was born in a time when I saw voices being taken of my community and I'm a child of a war and a revolution. Mm-hmm. And that left a huge imprint on me to one, know the power of a voice when it cloaks a community in fear. And then Mm -hmm. also to understand the power of our voices in simple conversations. And first, that conversation with ourself Mm -hmm. and then that spoken conversation. And this has been so much a part of my mission that before I was clear on my purpose when I was, you know, working in retail management or when I hopped over to finance, Mm -hmm. I was still kind of like this hype woman and you can do it kind of person. I (laughs) I didn't know how to ration my passion. So when I was 25 working in finance, I was putting my both elbows on the boardroom table and, and wah, being all out there with my voice and my words because I just so badly wanted things to shift. Mm-hmm. And part of that shift is maybe the closed doors or the glass ceilings. But another part of that shift is the responsibility that we own mm-hmm. to ourselves, mm-hmm. to our community to our voice. And so um, your voice is my mission, both internally, and I guide folks through emotional intelligence so that they can understand their voice, get out of their own way, um, as well as, uh, you know, others, others in their life, especially with leaders, and then uh, owning your voice in your professional life, especially through personal branding, which is my mm-hmm. expertise and, and what we do at the firm. I love it. Thank you. That is... I kind of got the feeling that that was what it was, (laughs) but you know, it's good to hear it from you specifically as to what that is. And so I also know that you do some work with, you've done some work. I don't, do you still do work, but you've done some work with schools. I'm, I'm a New Yorker, New Yorker living in Massachusetts, but I'm a New Yorker. And so when you said that you were 24 working in finance in New York, I was like, isn't that every girl's dream? Yes. <laughs> and then you mentioned that you work with schools mm-hmm. in, in Brooklyn. And so my question is, what's the biggest challenge you see with equity mm-hmm. in the schools that you work with? Because I feel that sometimes equity is tied into not hearing what mm-hmm. someone is needing mm-hmm. in order to make them yes. successful. Really, really good question. Well, um, that when I worked with the schools, it was when I uh, lived in New York and I was running my nonprofit that wrote the business of fashion program. So Mm -hmm. this, you know, so here I am 25 in finance. Let's take 10 steps back. Mm -hmm. Long Island City, y'all, that's Queens. And there's a Citibank building, nice and tall and on the 25th floor. And what do I see out of the window? The Queensboro Bridge and Manhattan, that picturesque view. Yes, you know, just like you said, Miss Sadie, this should be every girl's dream. Well, (laughs) this girl was depressed out of her mind because that's what (laughs) I thought too. Yeah. 
that the voices within me were leading me to that life, but it was really what my family saw as success, not really what I defined as success. Mm. So um, it actually took me to a big burnout. Mm-hmm. And it was from there that I honed in on that, those authentic voices that we've been talking about and, and really understood what is my purpose? What is my lane of genius? What fills me, you know, on my left and my right brain. And that's when uh, the foundation was born and it was born out of necessity. It was 2008. Mm. The economy had collapsed a little similar mm. to now. And I created these programs and you know, the equity piece and really answering your question comes to the whole reason why I closed the nonprofit for almost five years later. We had these fashion programs. So we're either going across the bridge to Manhattan and the kids are interviewing and filming executives in fashion, which look a lot like finance. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the guy in the suit, pale, Mm. male and stale. All right. So you're feeling like, (laughs) do I belong here? Is this my place? Right. And I wanted them to know, yes, it is your place. Mm-hmm. You come on in here, you give them eye contact, you ask them questions, and you create the story. You own the narrative. Mm-hmm. And they did that, and they got school credit, and it was dope. And the GPAs mm-hmm. went up, and they graduated. And I was able to give them some small scholarships to get into college. And mm-hmm. what kept to continue and why I closed it down is the um, emotional baggage, that cycle, the mental slavery was still there. So going mm-hmm. to like capture every opportunity, there needed to be a constant hype woman there. And I knew Mm -hmm. that's, you know, if you don't know how to reach out, communicate and grab your circle of support, it's Mm -hmm. really hard for you to enter the ranks. Mm -hmm. So now in my personal branding job, when I get to meet executives that are part of organizations and they really love my awareness and emotional intelligence, they bring me on to have these diversity inclusion talks with their organization. Mm Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, even if you start, let's say, resourcing um, and getting in touch with more HBCUs and things of that nature where you're intentionally opening the doors, I want you to understand that that education piece, that equity piece, that, you know, it's not like the floodgates are just going to open. And I'm in no way saying that BIPOC people of color are not in these established places and universities and ready to come into these organizations. What I'm saying is let's really focus on the education level and don't expect that there's going to be all these entrepreneurs because all these entrepreneurs need funding, Mm -hmm. you know, or all of them need to have the ability to the freedom to be an entrepreneur. They have responsibilities, Mm -hmm. you know, like these are privileges that, come in many layers. So it's, mm-hmm. it does start with the education disparities. And I think the, when I created for your star foundation, it was to come into the neighborhood to grab mm-hmm. those kids out of Brooklyn and mm-hmm. say, Hey, guess what? Let's go right across the bridge. There's a mm-hmm. lot over there and it's just, sh- it's changing their mm-hmm. mindset. And sure. it's, it's the cognitive bias, which we can loop around and dive into next, but it's really understanding the full picture of uh, yes, you can build more connections and those channels of communication with BIPOC communities, but also mm-hmm. understand that supporting these communities early on is, mm-hmm. is so needed. Right. It, it's what's interesting. I had another conversation with someone else and, and she was saying that institutions, companies, they like to say, well, we're having a hard time finding the right people to come in. And she says, you know, and I said, well, that sounds a little 
far-fetched to me because I think that there are a lot of people out there who have the credentials to do the jobs, but there's, there are other factors, you know, needed. And this, and then she said, and then they said, we just, but, but we don't want to lower our standards. And I said, well, see, that's the problem right there. You think, excuse me, you think you need to lower standards in order to be diverse. You think you need to lower standards in order to provide equity. And so I think that people don't even understand what equity means. Like, no. So then I said, well, if we take an analogy, right, there's a building and it's got stairs in the front. People who can walk up and down those stairs can go into this building. But then someone comes in there in a wheelchair. They're equally capable as the other people for the job that's in that building, but they can't get into the building. So what do you do? You create a ramp for them to get into the building and then they can go in the elevator and get to their floor and do their job. That is equity. It's giving people what they need to do the job that they are qualified, fully qualified to do. A thousand percent. Like during this pandemic, I keep thinking about back to education. I'm like, okay, who are the kids that need the laptops right now? Who are the kids in the Taco Bell parking lot getting the Wi-Fi? Yes. Who have to share a computer or don't even have one. You know, it's just, and those, that's equity. And that same yes. person has the brain. They can be that entrepreneur, that PhD, that BIPOC person you want to bring into your organization, but hey, find them there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. are they in the school that has had their steam taken out? Do they understand? Maybe they have a brain mm-hmm. for science or math or mm-hmm. art, industrial mm-hmm. design. Do they even know what that is? Exposure. Right. So that is mm-hmm. the equity. Mm-hmm. And when I started the foundation, it was about just the exposure. And I honestly created for myself because. When in, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, went to George Washington High School, and we had, mm-hmm. uh, I was a, a, a majority black high school, and we had 30 people in a classroom, and um, there wasn't a counselor telling me these different ideas or opportunities. Mm-hmm. I didn't go see a college campus. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why I left finance mm-hmm. at 26 and finally went to college at 27 and graduated at the age of 30. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's equity. That's equity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the energy exchange. And some yeah. of that is monetary. Some of that is mentorship. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's giving people what they need, providing them the opportunities so that they can then show you exactly what they're capable of. You know, instead of writing people off because they don't have the same privileges as others. So in your journeys, as you go through this whole finding your voice and talking to companies and creating programs. What surprises you the most? I am honestly more delightly surprised now. In 2018, when I found Own Your Voice, um, I found it, uh, it's Own Your Voice strategy firm. And I started it with a, a conference called Own Your Voice Summit. And I put leaders on the stage of who I really wanted to see in my time of coming up because I bounced between being an entrepreneur and going into the corporate world. Okay. And, you know, I would say one out of five leaders would be good. The -hmm. rest would be kind of a nightmare, you know? Uh, (laughs) And, and so, you know, that was my 40th birthday, 2018. And I had just kind of had enough. 
Mm. And at that point, I was not hopeful because I had an experienced leaders that were full of extreme bias. And these were millennial leaders. And I was like, mm. you think things are going to die out with age? It's not. No. These ideologies are alive and kicking. Yeah. So 2018, not so hopeful. 2020, I'm hopeful because I'm leaders that are asking owner voice and myself uh, and my team to come in to facilitate these conversations. Mm-hmm. They're willing to be humble enough to say, we, one, don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Two, we want to do it. Three, we want to make sure that these initiatives don't seem like a token thing, but a lifelong thing to uncover the cognitive bias, which is what we touched on a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So cognitive bias is when our brain fills in the blank, when it just mm-hmm. wants to pass the buck. One mm-hmm. example is maybe when you are with your best friend and, and y'all start finishing your, each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. Girl, I love that. Clank, clank. Cheers. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> or maybe you do it with your partner when you're annoyed. Let me guess what you're going to do now. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> right. Or perhaps these are the cognitive bias, these unknown things that come up when we are researching, when we are looking for that next talent, when we are putting together our team presentations, so on marketing, sales, and even goes on and on and on. And that's where we need to kick in. And the cognitive bias is one, our brain being lazy. Mm-hmm. Two, it's something that we've been, it's just, we need to unlearn. Mm-hmm. And your brain is a muscle. So just as you could do squats or bicep curls, you can work out your brain as well. And yeah. um, so just being aware of that, maybe embodying the voice of curious Kate or curious Ken and saying, why do I think that way? All right. Are there other ways for me to search for talent? Mm-hmm. Is a task force enough or do we need to? I don't know. Right. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because more people are willing to approach these conversations. And finally, leaders are willing to say, I don't know at all. And I don't know what I don't know. Yes. I don't know what I don't know. And that's what's so important. It's like you, that means that you are willing to learn because when people say, I don't know, and just leave it at that, they're just kind of like, I don't know. And they just move on. But if they like, I don't know, help me understand, or what do you mean? Or where are we going with that? That opens up conversation. It opens up the brain to, to, for activity to begin to answer the questions that you don't know versus shutting it down. I tell my kids this all the time. I said, don't say you can't because now you've shut yourself down and you've shut your brain off and your brain is like, oh, we can't do this. Sure. Let's not do this. But say, how can I, how can I do this? How can I accomplish this thing? And then that allows your brain to begin to say, oh, well, what are some solutions we can find? And it's the same thing. You, you want that to be more open. You do. Brains. You <laughs> do. 100%. On the way, though, on the way, because the Curious Kate will be met with Guilty Gail or Guilty Glenn. And that, you know, let's talk about just the topic of racism. You know, yeah. I think for some folks, it feels super heavy makes them maybe Mm -hmm. feel guilty. Guilty Gail or Guilty Glenn will say, you are the only person responsible. So Mm -hmm. the weight of decisions made before will feel too much. You'll feel, when you feel too much and you feel like, is it my responsibility to change everything? The biggest thing to do is you deflect and say, no, actually that's not my responsibility. So Mm -hmm. that's like kind Mm -hmm. of like guilt can have this like real 
two faces of a coin and mm-hmm. will kind of say, make you a little real defensive. Well, that's not my problem, right? That's mm-hmm. the privilege we talk about. So be aware mm-hmm. of that guilt. And maybe it's not necessarily showing up to you as you feel guilty for what happened, because it could be like, you're feeling it. You're feeling the heaviness in your body, maybe in your chest and your gut or it makes your shoulders tense. That's mm-hmm. a, a different way that kind of guilt or empathy shows up. And you are not fully responsible, but you are responsible for having maybe the conversations at the dinner room table, mm-hmm. you know, or, or finding your words and your way to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't mean going to the people of color in your life and asking them to be the thesaurus. You do mm-hmm. the work because mm-hmm. these folks have been dealing with it for eons mm-hmm. and they are triggered. And when mm-hmm. a person is triggered, it is not the time to ask them to help you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> help them mm-hmm. out <laughs> please <laughs> it's true it's true you know the guilt thing comes up a lot and I understand it but I also say you got to use that guilt use it use it in a positive way use it in a way that it allows you to say I need to learn more use it and say okay well I can't you know, you can't change the whole world. I mean, I even as I do my research and I do my reading, I look at these things and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much to be done. What do I do? You have to just say, no, you know what? This is my lane. This is the one that, that I feel I was born to, to be on. This is, this is where I feel I can make the difference. So this is where I'm going to be. Find that for yourself. If it is to create a foundation like you did, if it is to simply be that voice in your family or the, in your circle of friends, be that. But also be ready. I mean, it's going to suck. Be ready for those people who are just not going to be ready for it and who are going to want to walk away. Be ready for that. But it's better to live with, be able to live with yourself and sleep at night than to keep people around you who are going to keep bringing you down, is what I think, you know? It's all in the energy exchange. Exactly. <laughs> Energy exchange. Absolutely. So what, what's one solution you'd offer for some of the challenges beyond, like, I know you're, we're talking about owning your voice, but what's a solution that you would offer? What's a solution that you have offered? Let's put it that way to some of the companies that you've worked with. Bringing in a third party, I think is integral to coming in because it's hard to have someone even from your own HR department and such. So bring someone in who is a third party who can generate this kind of uh, trust with the staff. Break up your staff into smaller teams to have these kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. Don't just have them once. Don't make a task team. Embody it. For us at Own Your Voice, we make it an internal kind of communication where we're having these ongoing conversations. And Mm -hmm. we're, we're applying them to all the different programs within organizations. So whether it's how we communicate verbally or written or maybe mm-hmm. it's how do we source for our programs or our funding. And it's about now making sure that we are taking everything into consideration. And as we're learning anything, it's okay to kind of have a checklist and really embody, like, how do we adopt this new way of thinking? And it's okay mm-hmm. to say that we haven't. That doesn't mean that you're a racist. It's just understanding how you've been programmed and unlearning, mm-hmm. getting and into unlearning. that cognitive bias, removing the voice of shameful Shauna. <laughs> right, you right. know. <laughs> so 
the getting rid, you know, guilt and shame are, are, are twins. So it's bringing in that third party, having mm-hmm. consistent conversations and bringing them into, into smaller uh, circles. And, and the thing with Zoom, everyone has been a public speaker this year. That's it. You have a pl- platform and a stage and everyone has had to own their voice. So yep. let's go ahead and continue to build on that. Mm-hmm. had to show up and it's a lot harder to to hide on zoom and you can show that you're you know unengaged mm-hmm. and all that but this is the time and and i'm so hopeful mm-hmm. i feel that that hope as well i think there are a lot more people who are aware than are turning away and so that makes me hopeful i'm happy to to see and feel that And so I just, you know, my thing is I really want to make sure that the momentum keeps going, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh, let's not let it die down. There's still, there's so much to do. Let's just keep the momentum going and make sure that we can actually make a difference in all these areas that we find ourselves. She's talking to you, patrons. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Talking to everybody. (laughs) So a question that I usually ask is share something that has happened to you along your travels that people would normally not think can or did happen, but actually did happen and how you dealt with it. Oh, wow. Well, we touched on it just really quickly. And, and, you know, one of the things that happens in these podcasts as you glaze over years of hard work and a few minutes. So I want to kind of go back on it. And that, that was in, in the, from the finance time. So this is, you know, in this time, you know, we've really woken up and figured out, I got something to say this year and how am I going to say it and who am I going to say it to? Mm -hmm. And when I was working in finance and putting both elbows on the boardroom table and having this great view and all this money and da, 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 you know, I was so depleted and I did have to go and have these hard conversations with myself. And it is mm-hmm. about going back and understanding what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. How can I claim my power? And claiming your power is not about powering over someone. It's about us not waving the white flag of surrender. Well, okay, sirrah, sirrah. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. This, there, there's a glass searing, ceiling. There's all this prejudice against me. There's all, mm-hmm. you know, look. Once in upon time, we couldn't see it. We couldn't be it. That has changed, period. Is it happening as much or as fast as we want? No, but that's why Mercedes said, you got to keep going. That's why there's podcasts like hers and mine, because Mm -hmm. we got to keep having these conversations. So, you know, back then, here I am, 25, Mm -hmm. and family's all on board, finally got everyone's approval, feeling Mm -hmm. that stability, and it's talking to myself and having those hard conversations of, is this what I really want? Is this who Mm -hmm. I am? Will this drain me or energize me over time? Mm -hmm. And now for everyone listening, I'm not saying that everyone's got to leave their jobs, but it is understanding that sometimes we are more than that title. Right. Um, It's about being more than any of your titles, mother, wife, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So the thing that really happened for me is I gave myself permission to leave this cushion and the golden handcuffs <laughs> and to go to school mm-hmm. at an older student in her late 20s mm-hmm. and to really go for this pivot in her career. 
Mm-hmm. And everybody thought I was crazy. And what are you doing? And, you know, f- marketing and fashion marketing. I mean, nothing it just <laughs> seemed so yeah. unstable and so crazy. And, you know, but don't you com- think that at the time, like, don't you think that I think that an older student is clearer on what they want than a younger student? A younger student goes in there and says, well, I think I want to do this. And then they, they study for however amount of time. They come out, they go do it, and then they're like, I hate it. But you as an older student, you went out there and you were like, I hate this. I think I want to do this. You're clearer. And so I feel more, more focused. Do you think that's true? thousand percent so much that I wrote back in the day was my space so I would write blogs about being an older student and the clarity <laughs> and we need to not be in this you know pattern of pushing people to college afterwards because they're not clear on who they are and yeah. you know those articles are actually what ended up forming the foundation that formed my personal brand when the, the economy collapsed my friends made fun of me said you getting too deep <laughs> while people in the you know in the internet world found it interesting. So a thousand percent, Miss Haiti, and I believe in that. So for anyone out there who feels like they want to go back and educate themselves and they, because now they believe in themselves or maybe going back to the equity piece. Now I'm in a place where I can actually get a loan or put some money behind my education. Right. Do it. it. Stand on your wisdom. You will make 10 times more from that education. Right. Right. If you love it and you, and you, you delve into it, you will do a hundred times better than if you keep grinding on something that you just don't really like, but you feel like you need to stay in it. I think that that's absolutely correct. So two years from now, we're sitting somewhere and we're having a celebratory drink. What do you think has happened that is, that is really making us feel this celebration feeling? Ah, man, I think that we are continuing to see people rise to have these hard conversations, to continue it, because we need stamina, right? We need to be able to say, I got to take a time out. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pass the baton to you, Miss Sadie. You go. Mm-hmm. I'll see you next quarter, you know? Mm-hmm. So am I going to paint this beautiful picture of like, everything will be fine or everything will be horrible? No, nope, because I believe two no. things will exist at once. Mm-hmm. But we will take the fire out of our hearts and put it under our asses and continue mm-hmm. to rise and mm-hmm. ignite the change we want to see in every system. When I was on the road with Find Your Voice, my book, speaking mm-hmm. at mom and pop shops or Barnes and Noble or HBO or Facebook, whatever, I met so many women with solutions and I realized I'm not going to change the world by myself. I just don't exist in every lane. My voice, my face won't resonate with everyone and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And Mm -hmm. so there's space for all of us and Mm -hmm. the days where, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more ugly things that will have to come out for the change to happen and solidify. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you need the stamina, find the people you could pass the baton to Mm -hmm. keep the hope Keep mm-hmm. the hope and ignite. Take the fire out of your heart and put it under your tush. Let's do Absolutely. That. I love that. Get it out of your heart and put it under your tush. <laughs> I love it. Anger, baby. Anger. Man, angry Angela can be your hype woman. She will like, go get it. Or she can totally like make you an right. ash and burn you out. So 
anger is a good emotion to know and harness and harness, right? Some people, I feel that a lot of people, they have anger, but they're not, they don't harness it to direct it in a specific direction. So it's about being angry. It's funny because when I write my bio now, at the end of my bio, I put, she's the nicest angry black woman you'll meet today. (laughs) Anger is an emotion that says something is not right. Yeah. Something is not just. Anger is there for a reason. I love angry Angela. Bring it on, you know? And, you know, to anyone who's listening, who's not a woman of color, understand the privilege it is to have a voice because there's this angry black woman bias. Right. Right. So and that's exactly have- why I put that in there because I'm like, you know what? There is anger, but it's justified. Doesn't do don't all those feelings make us all human? Mm-hmm. All those feelings make us human. Yes. So yes. it's human. It's humanizing me because I understand that that's something that I have to do. Where other people may not have to humanize themselves, I know that I have to humanize myself. So, yeah. Okay, whoever's listening, Mercedes going to repeat that one more time. <laughs> one more again for the people in the back. What does she and other people of color have to, do? have to do? Say it again. Humanize please. ourselves. Yeah, we do. We have to humanize ourselves where other people are automatically given that human past. And it's sad that that's the way it is, but that's part of the reason why I do what I do because I know that to be true. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's deep oh, and it's saddening and it's, you know, empathy is a muscle in your brain, y'all. So you better take that little segment from Miss Sadie and share it with people who don't understand the reality of walking into a room as a person of color. Yes. And so that's also why, as we were talking before, I say that I want to walk into a room and I want to own my full self. At the same time, there's, you know, there's that fear that, oh, what are they going to see? Are they going to see me as human? Are they going to see me as that angry black woman? Is they going to see me as that too loud black woman? And everything that I am will always be that black woman, right? So if I'm too loud or I'm too, too quiet or I'm too, you know, too too much, (laughs) whatever it is, angry, I'm always going to be that blank black woman right so we got to take that and and kind of go can I just be a woman I said my cousin I don't know if you listened to my other one of the shorter podcasts that I did with uh, Reginald Colas he's an artist he's my cousin and he says yeah he says why he's like why is it that black artists are always black artists why can't they just be artists instead they're black artists and they're put in a certain section of the museum and then the artists who are the Rembrandts or the you know Michelangelo's or the others are put in another plot space but they are the artists and so it's little things like that that if you're not living it you don't realize that that is a thing yeah It's being compartmentalized and putting titles on and what box do you fit in? And these are the, you know, and these are the cognitive biases that are everywhere, microaggressions that are everywhere. So it's so important to unearth them and talk about them. And, uh, you know, they're, 
And for those of us who do embody them, go back to that guilty Gale and curious Kate, but let that guilt go. Be yeah. curious, learn, humble yeah. thyself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. To all of that. <laughs> oh, so if there's anything, if you could step into my shoes right now and you could ask anything of yourself, what is something that I may not have asked you, but that you would like to address? That is a good question. I would say, what is something you want to share with someone following in your footsteps? That's, that's what I would want you to ask me. Okay, go ahead. Please answer. Well, hey, girl, following <laughs> in my footsteps. What up? Yeah. <laughs> hey. You're going to have so many ideas. You're going to have all this passion. You're going to want to go out there and use your voice. And you may have a little doubt. Mm-hmm. And maybe it shows up in your body as palpitating heart, a tight tummy, sweaty palms. And I want you to know that in times when you choose to rise, and that rise can be in a conversation with yourself or with someone else or even on a stage or in a book, or I don't know. But when mm-hmm. you choose to find and own your voice, I want you to know something. That adrenaline is going to kick up in your body and you're going to think you're going the wrong way, but you're not. I want you to respect the process and realize that your body's just gearing you up. So a lot of the ways that we rob ourselves of our voice is this. One, we overthink it. Mm. Two, mm-hmm. we believe that our body is talking us out of it when it kicks up in its adrenaline. Mm. So when you're overthinking it, you're going to name your voices, get to know all the personalities inside because you are a complex, amazing human being. Mm-hmm. If anybody calls you bossy, that just means you're a good leader. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Snapping twice. And your body... <laughs> looks out for you. Listen to her. Listen to her. So if she's kicked, if it feels uncomfortable, she's just preparing you for adrenaline. And that I have seen so many people, you know, like you talked about Miss Sadie, when I show up to be myself and I don't want to be that agitated, you know, whatever black woman, you are going to feel it in your body in that time when you do begin to bring a little bit of your authentic voice or, you know, joke or whatever into, into the moment. So you'll feel that in your body Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean it's wrong. So to the person mm-hmm. following in my footsteps, name those voices and own your voice and whatever that means for you mm-hmm. and, and listen to your body. It's not talking you out of it. It's mm-hmm. prepping you for it. It's prepping you for it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. Where, so you have, you have your book, Own yeah. Your Voice. And is that still, is that available where all books are sold? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's actually find your voice so find, find your, voice. your voice yeah yes. it's available on amazon you can request it on demand okay, from good. barnes and noble um you can stop by saharpaz.com it's on my website as well so all those spots um find your voice is there and every year in october i put on an annual give back it's a virtual experience called own your voice summit um, it's, it's usually um, rooted in emotional intelligence and features leaders from all kinds of generations. So um, in October and September, definitely look out for that. And I'm on yes, every social we, media we platform. Just missed it, unfortunately, yeah, when you did okay. this, but um, I'm, I like that you do it every year. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And anywhere else people can find you um, uh, besides your, your voice- website. 
Yeah, on your voice podcast. Mm-hmm. So emotionally intelligent. That's right. Tips. On your voice podcast. Yes. Yeah, so we talk about that. I like to say the same person that stands in the bedroom stands in the boardroom. So we talk about the person and the professional and uh, yeah. you can you can find that on iTunes and Stitcher and, and all that good stuff after you leave a review for Miss Sadie in this podcast because this That's one right. has been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after they leave all the reviews here. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sahar. I've had such a good time talking to you. And it is such a pleasure to hear the work that you do and that you are, you're helping people own um, their voices. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Well, thank you for having this platform for all of our voices and for everybody that's listening out there. Big thanks for making time and uh, go out there, y'all own your voice. Own your voice. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please be sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, and share. It would also mean the world to me if you became a patron over at Patreon. The information is in the show notes. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.